Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Bryony Pierce, and I'm the content manager here at PMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by the Product Marketing Festival. For those of you who haven't heard about it yet, it'll be coming to a screen near you between June 8th and June 14th, and will be featuring headline acts from companies like Amazon, Uber, Adobe, and Facebook, talking about everything from research all the way through to optimization. To get your ticket, just head over to the site, festival.productsmarketingalliance.com. As part of this series, we're connecting with product marketers all over the world about topics they're super passionate about. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to Sapphire Reels, a senior product marketing manager at Plural Site, about working remotely as a PMM. Sapphire first joined Plural Site as a PMM back in April 2017 and progressed to her current position in October 2019. Before joining Pluralsight, she held product marketing roles at Patient Co and HubSpot, and she's also one of our PMA ambassadors. Anyways, that's all from me for now, so let's pass over and welcome Sapphire to the show. Welcome, Sapphire. Hi, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today to talk a little bit about product marketing and working remotely. I've been remote for the past four years, uh, both at my current company, Pluralsight, and my previous company, Patient Co, and it's pretty... (laughs) crazy times we're all living through right now and so excited to just kind of chat about some things that have worked for me and also some kind of simple tools and methods for others to figure out what works for them working remotely as well. Awesome well it's great to have you here today um, and I guess could we just kick off with a bit of a background into kind of your role at Pluralsight and then the company itself? Yeah that's a great question so Pluralsight is a technology skills platform so we allow individual and businesses to improve their tech skills so let's say an organization has an initiative to you know, migrate their data and applications from on-prem to the cloud. We provide uh, content and assessments to their technologists that will help them upskill. And then we provide a suite of analytics to the leaders that will kind of inform where their skills are, where their skills gaps are, so they know if they're actually ready to take on these initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first joined Pluralsight, uh, we had you know, we were traditionally a B2C company. We've shifted into the B2B space. And over the three years I've been there, we've really gone heavy uh, into B2B enterprise. Um, and then so product marketing was brand new when I joined um, as it exists today. Uh, today, we sit within portfolio marketing. So portfolio marketing includes brand, content, customer advocacy, and analyst relations. Mm-hmm. We have 10 product marketers. I am the only remote work from home product marketer, um, usually, not right now, obviously. And then we have one product marketer in Dublin and one in Boston in our offices there. Um, In terms of my role, we like to think of product marketers as full stack product marketers. So uh, there's four core pillars we think about for product marketing at Pluralsight, which is market intelligence. So that's obviously, you know, what is the market saying? Who are our buyers? What do they care about? We have messaging and positioning. So how do we talk about you know, the product that, uh, that we're selling? And uh, we also work with our brand team on brand positioning as well. We then have uh, sales enablement. So how do we make sure that our sales team have all the knowledge and assets? And we work with sales enablement to figure out how do they have the tools and processes to effectively do their job and sell our product. And then the last piece is obviously launch strategy. You know, how do we take our products to market? Um, Within our product marketing team, we recently reorged and, and have kind of more niche focuses. So one 
the team that I'm on is kind of called the prod squad, product squad. We really focus heavily on building product relationships and launching products to market. Um, of course, as a product marketer, you know, that kind of includes all of the things I talked about already. So uh, still kind of that full stack. We also have a go-to-market team that really coordinates across marketing and sales plays and operationalizes some of our launch strategy. And then we also have a sales squad, which works on our sales relationship and working with sales enablement as well. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned, so the rest of the product marketing team, they're not remote workers. Remote workers sorry. How do you find that kind of being the only one that works remotely? Do you find there's any roadblocks there or... Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So when I first started, there was uh, VP, three directors, and then I was actually the first product marketing hire. Um, And I think it was an interesting time because they actually wanted everyone to be on site. And then along came Sapphire and being on site just wasn't an option for me. And so when I first started, we really had to look at some of the processes and templates and just all of the team kind of working and functions that they had set up and really reevaluate for somebody who's remote. I think one of the benefits is I was that first PMM and I was remote. So I had a lot of influence um, on how we did things. But that being said, our team grew very, very quickly. You know, we hired four more people in a matter of a couple months. And so uh, what was really important for me, and I think it's important for anybody who's moving into this remote world, is to consistently provide feedback on your experience. Most people have never worked remotely until now, and so they just inherently did not understand some of the challenges I was going through. And so for me, it was really critical for me to talk to my boss, my leader, um, my team about what was difficult. So some of the things were around communication, um, engagement in team meetings like we have a weekly standing meeting and it's really hard to get excited when everyone's in the same room and they're talking and it's kind of loud and it's hard for you to get a word in Um, I had to be really cognizant to voice that uh, you know hey it's hard for me to feel excited and to be engaged in this moment and so um, for me it was really critical to just make sure that I was I was uh, uh, voicing that to my team Um, and that and that takes a lot of trust to be able to do that and then after you kind of voice those challenges what kind of steps were taken to overcome them totally um so as i mentioned one of the things for team meeting and this actually you know again things take time so when we originally had our team meetings everyone would be in one room who was in one office and then i would join remotely um and i kind of just (laughs) grinned and bared it for a really long time because that's a personality trait of mine and um once we got uh, our product marketers who were in the Dublin and Boston office, our Dublin-based product marketer, she actually said, hey, it would be great if everyone joined this team meeting remotely. So Monday morning for, for us, obviously, end of her day Monday, she's in Dublin. We all now join that meeting remotely. Um, what that does is it gives everyone a taste of what it is to work remotely and to have to communicate over that. And they saw some of those challenges of being engaged and how the meeting was run. Um, so I think uh, giving people an understanding of what you're going through can really help them take take some small steps. So that's just like a small example. Um, another example I would point to is just documentation. Um, when you are remote, uh, you have to really live off of um, documentation. And that can take many, many different forms from a project review to specific meeting notes to 
you know, general marketing or department or company information. And because people were in the office and they didn't need that documentation because they can just jump over to someone's desk, I really had to influence how our team, um, even just from, you know, how we collected information, how we disseminated information and how we organized it in, you know, our, our G Suite drive, um, really just being an advocate for myself and saying, this is what would be helpful for me as a remote employee for you all to do. Um, It does take a lot of effort on my part to surface those things. But I find that if I just voice that feedback that uh, my team has been pretty receptive to working through those things. Yeah. I really like that idea of all doing your team meetings kind of in isolation as well. I think that's a nice touch. Yeah, and I know that, um, and again, obviously times are different right now, but I know that there's a few other companies like HubSpot, they just recently, they have like a week where they do, uh, the whole marketing team goes remote. Um, so I think the situation right now will give everyone a taste for what it is to be remote. And I think, you know, whether, you know, how long this lasts or as we think about going back into our offices, what I would really um encourage people to do is to make note of the things that they're going through right now and as they go back into the office or they think about you know keeping people remote just really being cognizant of some of the challenges and struggles that they went through um and remembering that when once the you know the old sense of normal comes back yeah for sure um and then i guess going back to when you first started at floral site how did the onboarding side of things work um when you were remote Totally. Um, so Pluralsight, uh, at Pluralsight, all new hires go through onboarding on site. Um, obviously, we are doing that virtually right now, but we have a really great people team who coordinates that. And what that looks like is um, traditionally everyone would go to our Utah headquarters um, and then you have a you know couple of days. Usually it's three to four days of onboarding um, with a, your onboarding cohort and you get presentations from across the company. So like product marketing does a presentation on like what is our market? What is our product? Who are our buyers? Um, you know, our uh, product team does it. Everyone across the company kind of presents to the um, team and, and really tries to help them understand who's doing what and how do we work at Pluralsight. Um, so that was really awesome for me to just get a feel for the company. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I was the first PMM under three directors in a VP. That team was started in December of 2016, and I joined in April of 2017. Um, So as a team, we were still trying to figure out, like, how do we do onboarding? A couple of things that worked really well. Um, One, if you do have co-located teams, like, make sure you're bringing your product marketer to some sort of HQ, or if you're all remote getting, you know, schedule a get-together. Like, right now, if you are bringing a new PMM on, it's really critical that you just make the space and time for people to get to know them. Um, when we actually do interviews, we have a couple of different, we do like a, you know, obviously like our, you know, our professionally your experience and we do that evaluation, but like many companies, we kind of do a cultural evaluation. Um, and that's just a meeting where we throw this person like in a lunch with all of us to see, you know, how they, how they handle it, like what they're, you know, if, do they mesh with the team? And so I think that's really important when you're actually bringing someone on is to make that space, especially if they are remote, they're not going to feel comfortable asking for it. So I would say definitely make sure you bring them um, into your meeting so they understand how that works, but also make time for that social piece. Um, So that's kind of within your own team. As you think about like cross department, you know, cross your marketing team across departmentally, um, 
something we always do is we have a marketing team channel. We use Slack um, and we always have their leader introduce them. We obviously highlight their professional experience and what they're doing, but something that's always really valuable is highlighting personal interests, right? You want to really make immediate connections for this person. So sometimes we'll do like two truths and a lie or, you know, fun facts about this person. And these are really simple things that people probably do, but when you're remote, it's even more critical because you need to, you know, you really need to make sure that somebody's getting a feel for who is this person and can I jive with them? Um, a couple other things that I would say that were really, really helpful uh, is um, being really intentional, intentional about the first project that somebody gets. So when I came into Pluralsight, um, one of the first things I did was uh, in, um, implementing our sales enablement tool. And this was something that was really, really high visibility. It was a really natural way for me to build relationships across some key departments. So I had a list of people that like I had to go out and meet with. Um, and through working on this, you know, I had to work across marketing to see what content do we have, what needs to get updated. I had to work across sales to see how did they want information? Am I building the right solution? I had to work across sales ops to get it integrated into Salesforce. So being really intentional about that first project that you're giving to a product marketer is really critical because it's going to kind of pave their way. Um, I think things that focus on giving them a deep understanding of how the business works, of who they need to be influencing in the business. Um, and if you can combine that with like <laughs> the natural onboarding of like learning about um, the product and the market, that's really great. Um, and so something that I, that we do as a team is again, we make a list of people for them to talk to, you know, we give them the, Hey, go talk to them, ask them to walk you through their role. Um, and then one other thing that we do that's really effective is we ask our new hires to run through a what is product marketing deck um, with people in the business. And so this kind of reframes the expectation. I know as product marketers, we often hear like, what is, <laughs> what is product marketing? What do you actually do? Um, we have them run that through that deck with people that they're working with as well. Okay, cool. And then I guess like focusing on the social side of things as well, do you feel like you have to put more of an intentional effort behind, like, so for, like, a lot of the time, if you're in the office, for example, on Monday morning, it's natural for the first thing you might talk to someone, you know, how are you? How was your weekend? What did mm -hmm. you go on last night? That kind of thing. I feel like with remote workers, like from personal experience as well, that's sometimes just the general kind of day-to-day -day interactions that you miss out on and sometimes don't realise that you miss until you kind of have it again. Yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think if you've never worked remotely, you don't really understand how um, impactful and challenging that can be. So a small example is like, let's say we all have a meeting and, you know, we've all had these situations where a, somebody, an exec maybe makes a decision and you don't, everyone's kind of like, what? Like, why are we making that decision? Or like, I don't have enough context. I'm not really sure what's going on here, right? Like everyone's kind of has this general sense of like, whatever. But in the meeting, they're like, okay, yes, you know, we'll go do it. And the meeting ends, everyone leaves and goes back to the desk and they have a conversation about like, oh, that seems crazy. Or like, why are we doing this? I don't get it. Can we talk about this? If you're remote, like you don't get that. As soon as the Zoom call ends, um, unless somebody's slacking you or emailing you about it, you don't see that. So it can create this really strong divide. And even just like, as a team, like you commiserate on things like that's your, that's your work family, right? And so you do have to be really intentional. I mean, and I think personality plays a big part in this. I am somebody who is pretty <laughs> bold and forward for better or for worse. Um, I have a pretty strong personality. Um, and sometimes I find myself kind of like hamming it up. Like I, 
I honestly think about myself as like, how do I market myself to these people? And I know that sounds really crazy and like structured, but it's, it's not right. I think about like, okay, I want to position like who I am and the value I bring. Right. So like per- professionally, I want them to know like, what is my role and what I do, but like, I also want them to know me personally. Um, and I want to make sure that I'm promoting it across the channels they are. And like, <laughs> I honestly think about pricing out like my time. So for me, what, um, something that I do is obviously we use Slack, you know, if you use Microsoft Teams, whatever, I put myself in watering holes. Like we have a bunch of different topic-based channels that are just kind of like off topic. One I joined this week is like binge-worthy because everyone's binging on content and I've just made new contacts there just like talking about shows that we're watching. We have like a nerd stuff channel where we talk about like Star Trek. Um, So putting yourself into those different watering holes is super duper important. I also find that I really have to put myself out there and I have to be very forward with who I am. So whenever I have a new meeting with somebody, um, you know, obviously we talk about, you know, professionally what we do in our role, but I will always make a point to say like, look, there's two things you need to know about me, like two and two things I need from you. Like, and the, the main thing is transparency. And the second thing is communication. And those are really intertwined, right? Like, hey, maybe your boss is giving you directive and you don't really understand it. Or maybe you just found out about something that's coming out. Like, that's okay. I just need to know those things. So I think from a social standpoint, it's really about you, you do have to be intentional and you do have to put yourself out there more than you would. Mm-hmm. And if you're not comfortable doing that, I think that's something that you have to voice to your team, right? I know there's a lot of folks um, that I work with, maybe on our product side of the house, who are engineers who aren't as forward and as crazy. And people have had, you know, experiences with like, hey, I feel like they're not really engaged on meetings, but I've had meetings with them. And like, you know, the whole time we're laughing it up and we're doing things. So I think it's just about recognizing that people are social creatures, but that manifests itself in very different ways. And you have to be very transparent about who you are but also have empathy for how others are and how they want to social communicate you know some people don't like small talk and they do it in the office because that's what's expected but the second you take them out of an office and they're working remotely like you don't get that from them anymore and you might think like hey what's going on with this person um but that's that's not actually how they like to communicate they don't like to be social like that but they felt pressure to do that so i think it's just about really having a lot of trust and being open to feedback Mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense and then on a day-to-day basis like how like how do you most commonly interact with people like would it be more so over slack and you said you mentioned use that tool or is it phone video call email or yeah it's a combination we definitely do um you know a lot of slacks um again like i said i'm pretty i'm i make sure that you know, my, I have my, my work is very visible. Um, and what I'm doing is very visible and my personality and who I am is very visible. So, you know, I'm constantly chatting with my team on Slack and team channels. We have kind of project based channels, you know, individual DMS. Um, I also have a lot of zoom meetings. Um, that's for sure. And email. Um, I think, you know, I have like my set staple kind of group of calls throughout the week and then ad hoc meetings. Um, I think that, and this is something we can get into later, but I think that as a remote worker, you have to find a balance of what works for you and understanding when a certain type of communication is important. Mm -hmm. Um, So over the four year, last four years, I've really taken the time to figure out like, okay, what is the most effective way for me to communicate this information or get the information that I need. Um, But yeah, I would say most of my time is spent in Slack and then Zoom as well. Um, Email is more, is less frequent, I would say. 
then how do you find like from in-house experience like personally as well like you get a lot of those you know can I just or can you just this you know (laughs) really kill your flow like how do you do you find you get that less working remotely or more because I find sometimes although you don't have people physically there asking you for stuff slack can sometimes be the equivalent and we can hear the ping going off in the background like how do you find that like personally yeah that is a really great question um so something that i think uh people who have never worked remotely or um and are now working remotely or in the future right when we all go back and they're working remote teams is is really understanding the difference between asynchronous and synchronous communication so asynchronous communication is like hey i'm going to send you this message and i expect you like i don't expect you to respond right away right so like i send you an email and you know you get to me tomorrow like that's totally cool synchronous communication is hey I've sent you a message and like I expect you to respond right away right like I text you about like my day I'm texting my best friend about my day and like I expect her to text me back right now um when you're in an office like synchronous communication is generally what you thrive off of right you're in a meeting you get an immediate response from people you're sitting next to someone at their desk you can turn to them and ask them a question um so I think that there's a really big need for people to be really cognizant of the type of communication that they're trying to send Um, there's a couple things to think through, right? Like, okay, should I schedule, you know, should I Slack this person? Should I email them? Should I schedule a meeting? Well, it's like, okay, am I just sharing information? Do we need to have a discussion? Like that could probably just be good for an email. And I will say like, Hey, here's just some information. I don't expect you to respond right away. Or I will be very, you know, intentional and say, Hey, like we have a decision to make. I need you to respond to this email by 5 PM tomorrow. Right. Mm -hmm. There's also, um, you know, decision-making isn't likely happening in a meeting, right? Is that a quick slack? Hey, we made this decision. So I think understanding when that type of communication um, is needed. And I also think that, you know, people uh, who are now working remotely who don't, who maybe haven't, um, you know, uh, uh, really kind of, just providing feedback around this. So I'm somebody, like I said, like I consistently provide feedback. So, so it's funny, um, a coworker of mine the other day, she was like, you know, when I'm in the office, like, and I get slacks, it's really easy for me to drown them out. But when I'm here at home, I feel so much stress to respond. Um, and there's a couple of things that I, I mentioned to her. One, I was like, there are times when I don't respond. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't, you don't necessarily have to. And so I think, there's a couple ways that you can go about that is one, like provide feedback to people. I have, there's times when I've said like, Hey, you know, um, uh, this is, you know, Hey, sorry, I'm, I'm deep in a project. Like this is a little bit disruptive. Is there another way we can possibly communicate? Um, I also ask about priority and, you know, Hey, what do you need? Why do you need it? When do you need it? And what's driving that deadline? Like it's totally perfectly acceptable to ask those things. Um, Something else I would say is setting expectations as a team. Like if you're not talking as a team to say, hey, I, I don't, you know, if I send you a Slack, like I expect an answer. Or if I send you an email, like you have to establish those standards as a team as to what you're working for. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things is people need to recognize that when you're not in an office, you don't have those visual signals, right? If I'm in an office and I want to go talk to you about a project and I see like you have your headphones on, you're typing away, you have many windows open up across multiple monitors, I'm probably not going to come bother you. Mm-hmm. If you're remote, I don't have those signals. So it's up to you to create those, set a Slack status, uh, block off your calendar time. Um, I think it's really important for people 
to protect their time and also understand that the expectations that are in the office don't apply. Um, so one of the things that a lot of remote workers um, or managers leading remote people or just those working with remote have to understand is um, understanding different expectations. So like you need to evaluate someone based on the outcomes and the results they're driving and not how responsive they are. Yep. No, that's a great tip. And something I should probably take on board myself, actually. I didn't even think. <laughs> we all need to remember that. <laughs> sure. There are times I'm like, why is this person not responding to me? And then I'm like, oh, they're probably dizzy, right? Sapphire. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Awesome. Um, so you said not too long ago that you have um, kind of staple uh, calls that you'll have in the diary. What kind of calls would those be kind of week to week? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I guess kind of what my week looks like. So every Monday morning, we start with the team sync. Um, it's, uh, and it's something that's time zone friendly. So again, as I mentioned, we have someone in Dublin, Boston, and then Utah, and I'm in uh, Los Angeles. And so we have it in the morning when the time when everyone comes so that everyone, you know, can get the same information. Um, in that team sync, we have rotating hosts. So a different PMM or director hosts it every single week. Um, you know, we collect the agenda the week before, we'll invite people in, but it's, it's kind of uh, a place for us to just connect and start our week. So as you mentioned before, right, generally people come into the office, they have their coffee, and then they go to their meetings. This is that time for the, uh, us, to, uh, us who are remote or co-located to connect. So we'll have that kind of meeting a lot of the time it's awkward and I think that's one of the things about remote work that people don't understand is like it's it's awkward and you honestly just have to embrace it and that's kind of like <laughs> our team culture we almost like thrive on that brand of like okay well this is really awkward so time of death you know 8 30 okay bye everyone um, <laughs> like it's just how it is but like it works for us and we embrace it and we love it and like you know after the meeting we're like why do we have that meeting but like it's that's the purpose of it it's just there for us to connect and have that moment um so that's that's kind of the start of my week and then it kind of um I would say consistently I have meetings with my product teams um you know I've worked with different product teams to I work with um about six different product teams right now um and so we kind of establish the cadence that's worked for us so I have one that's you know really gearing up towards launch we are meeting on a weekly sometimes twice a week basis I have other teams who are very early in discovery and product development process and so we may only be uh you know every other week uh once a month um so it just honestly depends on the product mm -hmm. um I also have project meetings so we are kind of a project-based team and my work although I do the same kind of responsibilities, the work that I'm doing every single quarter definitely changes. And so I'll have project specific meetings like for a launch, for example. Um, and then one-on-ones um, are definitely something I have. And I think, um, you know, this is something I was reading William Chia's article about remote work and he mentioned this as well. And I think there's kind of two distinct meeting types and sometimes they can bleed together, but they're really important. So um, one of the things when I first joined uh, and I had a, t a manager who hadn't had a remote team member before um, we would have one one-on-one -on -one a week and it was an hour and after a couple months he was just like hey I'm feeling like inundated by information from you like I we come on the call there's so much for me to wrap my head around I don't feel like I'm able to effectively get you what you need um, and so one of the things that I started doing was I started a one-on-one -on -one doc and I would have the agenda at the top so like I'm going to talk about these three projects I would have like a summary of what I did. So here's an update on what happened this week. And then I would have a very explicit action item of like, 
this is what I need you to do. Like, and that sometimes that's like, I need you to review this document or I need you to go talk to this person because they're not doing what I need them to. And I need somebody to help me. Um, so uh, very project, like professional focus one-on-ones and kind of figuring out when that works. And then the second thing, which I think is one of the most valuable things you can do as a remote worker, as William mentioned, is a coffee type meeting. Um, I have a standing weekly call with some of my teammates. Um, some of them are together. Some of them are one-on-one. Um, and it's just time for us to chat. And I know uh, William was talking about like, hey, this is a time where we don't talk about work at all. Um, for me, I take a little bit of a different approach. And if the work comes up, work comes up. As I mentioned before, right? Like you have that water cooler talk where you all commiserate as a team. If you're remote, you don't get that. So sometimes you can like be like, I feel crazy. Like why? why do I feel one way? And it feels like everybody else feels this other way. Um, so I have this standing and I look forward to it every single week. I have a standing Friday meeting with one of my coworkers. Her name is Lisa. And we just talk. And sometimes we talk about work and the challenges we're running through. Sometimes we talk about our weekend. You know, obviously during quarantine, we're just talking about what Netflix shows we want to watch. <laughs> um, but it is the highlight of my week because I just feel like I get to connect with this person. As a remote person, it brings me so much value. As somebody who's generally in office, she also loves it because when somebody's remote, like they're on your team, but it's also kind of like they're a third party, right? Like they're not caught up in the craziness and madness of an office. Um, and so we both get a ton of value out of it. And so I, I think that there's sometimes people think like, I don't want to force that social communication and connection. Um, but I think it's really, really valuable and really, really important to set aside that time, um, especially if you have somebody who's new or if you are newly remote. It's really important to make sure that you make the time um, because one of the other flip sides of that is, you know, I'm somebody like I'm pretty straight to the point of business. If I schedule a meeting like and, you know, we have the first, you know, we have 30 minutes to get through the content, right? Like we can spend five minutes doing the updates. And right now that's really important, right? As we're all working remotely and there's a lot of anxiety and stress, we'll do that. But you have to be a meeting moderator and you have to steer it back to what you need. And people have to understand like, hey, I have 30 minutes with you to get the information that I need. And I've been, you know, I scheduled this on Monday for Friday and all week I've been waiting to get this information from you. Um, so I think it's just, you know, understanding the, the need for the social understanding me for the business type meetings, understanding that they can bleed together, um, but really making sure that you get what you need out of them, that you voice that back. I feel like we I uh, wish we did this podcast a lot sooner because I'm getting loads of tips. Oh, that's awesome. I'm sure you have plenty of no. tips. Wow. <laughs> um, okay, so next. One. So I guess this is kind of a bit of an industry-wide pain point, like regardless of your remote or in-house I guess getting sales teams engaged sometimes kind of pre-launch can be a bit of a battle, perhaps mm-hmm. more so when you're trying to do it remotely, would you say? And if so, like, how do you combat that? Yeah, it's, a, it's a definitely a pain point. Um, so I've been at Plosa, as I mentioned, for three years, and I've definitely seen it evolve. So when I first joined, we had um, like a sales training and productivity team, and it was like one person, then it was two, then it was three. Um, so initially, I was owning a lot of it, and now we have a giant sales enablement team very thankful for them um, and the work that they do and so it's really transition um, a little bit of context we have sales reps in utah dublin and sydney in office generally um, and then we also have sales teams remotely across the world so we already kind of have this co-located you know environment um, one thing to mention is our sales onboarding. We do do that. We make every salesperson come to headquarters. So you do do a plural site onboarding and a sales onboarding, 
you know, generally we try to make those happen the same week. So you do three days of company onboarding and then, you know, two, three days, whatever of sales onboarding and how it splits out. Um, uh, so that's just a little bit of context there. Um, I think there's a couple of critical components, getting sales teams ready and engaged in the launch. So first of all, like you have to, I really like the push and pull model. Um, you have to really make sure you're pushing information, but also give sales reps the ability to self-service. Uh, I like to think of my sales folks as my customers. And like, you think, you know, if you think about your customers, like you have those customers who do really deep on research and you know, when they're using your product, they're in the help center, they're pulling what they need, they're figuring it out, they're calling you up, like they're right there, like really engaged and they're, and they're the go-getters and the people want to do it. And then you have the people who are the go-getters, but like, they're not necessarily, they're not going to be digging through your help center. They're not going to do those things. Like they want you to bring that information for them. So you need to really think about that with your seller. So first of all, I always start with a what's in it for you. I think that's something that product marketers you know, when we go and we work with salespeople, we're like, yeah, we have this awesome new product product and it's great. And our customers are going to love it. And yes, at the end of the day, salespeople do want something that's going to make their account happy, but they also want to know what's in it for them. Right. Like, Hey, I want to know that, you know, um, this product is going to increase stick, you know, this feature we're launching is going to increase stickiness, which means more retention, which means your customer is going to renew, right? So that means more dollars for you. So always starting with the what's in it for you. And like, that's the first line of my communication. Like I'll send a Slack message that's like, hey, do you want to increase your deal size? Do you want to, you know, improve your retention numbers? Like, then listen up and I'll link to the information. Um, in terms of push and pull, like, I think it's really important to be in sales watering holes. Um, they, our sales teams, you know, they have their team meetings, they have their regional meetings. Um, we get time in those. We've talked to sales leaders and we've negotiated to say, hey, when we have a launch, you know, we need time in your team meeting to talk to them. Um, and that gives you a lot of rapport, right? That's something that's challenging as somebody who's remote is to build rapport. Coming into their team meeting where they already feel really comfortable talking and working with each other creates a sense of trust and You'll, they'll get to ask questions, they'll get to know you, right? And like, make it fun. Don't make it like some stodgy thing. Like, be interactive, be excited about it. Like, you have to, you have to be the one who's super excited about this thing and like leading the charge. Um, so definitely going into their team meetings, providing that information, making it really simple. Um, I also will generally do some sort of like on-demand type webinar um, that could be a recording from a team meeting, right? Like that might be the right thing, but having something that they can reference back to um, and then for those who want to self-service, I'll do like a checklist, like here's the 10 things you need to do. And then I'll also do like, okay, you know, here's a link to more information on each of those steps. So I think it's really about just deeply understanding like the, the types of sales personas that you have in your organization and how they want to receive information and making sure that you have a good balance of here's what you need to know really simply because you will have reps that that's all they're going to listen to. And then also you have those reps who are going to want to dig deeper and making sure that you have something there. Um, I think another thing that's really critical to building trust with sales is if you have a sales kickoff, make sure you bring your product marketers. I've gone to our last three sales kickoffs and honestly, it's the highlight of my year because our EMEA team comes over and we just have a ball with them. Um, but also, um, it just creates a lot of trust and rapport. And, you know, I have people who I, you know, they're all over the globe and they've met me in person. Um, so SKO is a really, really great time for product marketers to build that trust as well. Mm-hmm. So how often would you say you actually kind of kind of have that get together HQ, all of you. So like, yeah. yeah, yeah, there's a couple different opportunities. Um, so like I said, site we all do onboarding on site. 
Um, we have SKO. Uh, we also have holiday party at the end of the year, and those are regional. So there's one in Utah, there's one in Boston, there's one in Dublin, and we actually just opened a Sydney office. I'm sure they'll be there, one, the, there this year. So you have the ability to travel into the regional holiday party. Um, we also have tons of team offsites. I know that my team has one at least once a quarter. Um, we'll all go to Utah. We did zip lining ones. Like we've done many, many different things. Um, I know that there's some teams like we have a product, uh, a group of engineers that's based in Brazil. We had one team go down to Brazil to do their offsite there. Um, so there's plenty of opportunities and Pluralsight is super open to that. I think the way that we think about it at Pluralsight is like, it's up to you and your team, right? Like if you and your team feel like you need to be connected, it's up to you to vocalize that. So actually something that I did that was really important for me, and I learned this in my previous role. So the company I used for core was based in Atlanta. Um, I started going back there once a month um, or every six weeks, and I would be there for a couple of days or up to a week to have that in office time. That was really, really critical for me. Um, and it was just something that I, you know, negotiated or I just talked to my leader about. I would say, look, like, I'm feeling a little disconnected from the office. I would love the opportunity to be able to come in every couple of weeks um, to have that in office time. And generally it's just like full of meetings and it kind of feels unproductive, but it's like critical for me to like get back into like motivation and mindset. Um, and that's what I did for the first couple of years at Pluralsight and my other company. Now, obviously not today in quarantine, but previously my travel slowed down because I built the rapport and I built the trust. So I think it's up to, um, the individual to voice when they're feeling like they need more connection. And I think it's also up to the leaders to create those opportunities and create an open culture where teammates feel like it's okay to say, Hey, I need more. Um, I need more in-person time because you can't ignore that. You can be a fully remote company, but you can't ignore that face-to-face -face time is really critical. And so I think it's just about listening to your team and listening to your employees. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and then, so obviously with everything that's going on at the minute with COVID-19, there's, well, essentially everyone's been forced into this kind of remote working situation. Do you have any advice for anyone who's either new to remote working full-time for the foreseeable or during the COVID-19, like to help them find their feet during this? Totally. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would just say like, you know, one of the, it's funny, a lot of my teammates or friends that I have who don't, I work remotely will come to me and they'll say, you work remotely. Like, how do I do this right now? Tell me. And the first thing I'll say is I've been remote for four years. and I know people who've been remote for decades. And the number one thing we will all tell you is right now is not the norm. Um, don't beat yourself up, right? Like, first of all, if you're working remotely, like there are days when everyone isn't productive, but whether you're in an office or your home, right? Like there are days you go in the office and you're like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm going to go to my meetings, but in between the meetings, I'm not really getting work done. Like something's not right. The same thing happens when you're at home. And people feel this immense sense of pressure to be productive because they are at home and they want to, you know, be responsive and doing all these things because they don't want to um, portray this image that they're not doing their job. Mm -hmm. um, so I would just say don't beat yourself up around that idea, especially in this current environment. Like I said, you know, I'm somebody who I am super productive from home. I really thrive on working from home. And the last three weeks have been really, really challenging for me because there is a lot of anxiety. You know, not only am I anxious about what's going on, but you have a bunch of people who've never worked remotely that I have to work with. So I would just say, you know, be kind to yourself and have empathy for others. You don't know what somebody else's work from home situation looks like. You don't know all of the things that you're going through. So really just take the time to not jump to conclusions. Like that example I gave, somebody's not responding to you on Slack. 
they're probably not ignoring you. They probably have have other things going on. So that empathy is critical. Um, I think changing your perception, as I mentioned, right, that idea that somebody's not responsive, it means they're not productive. I think especially people managers need to understand that they need to set the work with their teams to set the expectations of how they will communicate. And so for me, like I know if somebody sends me an email, I probably don't need to answer it right away unless it includes somebody who's outside of our organization. Mm -hmm. I also know that if somebody sends me a Slack, um, they may, you know, and they know about me that maybe they're not expecting an immediate answer. And I know that if my VP or my director calls me, like it's like they're expecting me to pick up and it's critical, right? Like these are things and habits I've just developed over the last few years. And I think people are forced into this situation. So just talk about it. Just create space for your team to do that and have them give feedback, right? Like, hey, I'm having trouble. I'm getting a lot of slacks. I'm feeling like I'm not able to prioritize my day and I'm getting interrupted. So being able to set those expectations and feedback and iterate is really important. Um, another thing I would say is communication. Um, you know, I think that people underestimate um, or maybe overestimate how good communication is at their company. And when you're forced into this remote world, uh, you <laughs> the cracks are really quickly exposed. Um, people have very different communication styles, right? If you've never heard of like a disc profile, I highly encourage you to go check that out. Um, and you may not really realize their communication style until you're in this situation. Like I mentioned, like some people don't like small talk, right? Like there's different things like that. Some people are very straight to the point. Like you don't, you don't get that unless you know the person. And, um, and so something that I just think uh, is really, really critical is to just really be cognizant of how you're going to communicate. Um, something that really tipped this off for me was honestly learning how to write emails to executives. Um, you know, if I'm talking to my CMO, like she does not have the time to dig through my four page launch document. She needs like a four bullet point summary of what we're doing. She needs the two action items that I need from her. And, you know, she needs it in an email so she can respond to it. Like I know that about her and that's the type of information I give her. Somebody else I'm working with may need more detail. Um, so be really cognizant of how you are communicating. Again, it goes back to asynchronous versus synchronous comms. Um, how does this communication need to happen? So if it's, you know, hey, I'm just trying to build up a relationship with you. Like, that's great. Use Slack. Um, I need this feedback right now. That's great. Use Slack. Like, hey, I just need you to know this information. That's an email. So really be cognizant about your communication method. Um, I would say running a meeting is really, it's really, really important to think about how you run meetings because you are um, having Zoom meetings. I think meeting pre-reads are really critical for people to wrap their head around things before they get in the room. Um, whenever I come into a meeting, I make sure everyone's read, read the pre-read and if they haven't, I'll give them some context. Um, make sure you recap agenda items at the top of a meeting, right? Like, hey, these are the things I want to talk about. Does anybody have anything to add? You're going to have to act as a moderator um, because people aren't in the same room. And so like some people feel really uncomfortable. So if you recognize that somebody hasn't talked in a while, be like, Hey, Sapphire, what's your thoughts? Right? Like Sapphire, I see that you unmuted and then you remuted because somebody else started talking. Like, is there something you want to say? Like you have to be, it's like you're on a webinar, right? Or like something like that. You have to be more of that role. Mm -hmm. um, and then after your meeting, make sure you're reporting out. Um, you got to learn how to document information. I know, uh, William talked about this a lot in his article, um, being at GitLab, you know, they're all remote and super transparent and documentation is like something that they all do. They all do it very differently. 
if you are remote, like you probably, if you're used to being in office, now you're remote, you're probably not used to the level of documentation that's needed. Um, so figure out what works for you. Um, you know, making sure you ask people, right? Is this too much for information? How did you want to receive that? Is there a better way I could have communicated? Um, and then there's a couple other high level tips. One thing I would say is um, schedule flexibility. So most people work remotely because they enjoy flexible schedules. Like I do it because, you know, sometimes I wake up at six o'clock in the morning and I'll do two hours of work and then I take a two hour break and then I hop back online at 10. Like that's okay. And just because I think people expect to replicate their in-office uh, schedule when they work from home. And I don't think that's always the case, especially right now. If you have kids, if you're caring for other people, that is not the reality. So be open, talk to your team, talk to your manager, you know, whatever it is you need to do, like make sure you're not rocking the boat. But like, you know, someone on my team was like, hey, I have two young kids and my wife is also working from home and running a business. Like there are times during the day I'm not going to be available. So I'm going to block out my calendar. And if I don't respond, that's okay. So figure out the schedule that works for you um, and set signals for yourself. That's really critical. So I'm lucky enough. I work from home all the time. I have an office. When it's over at the end of my day, I close my laptop, I close my office door and I take my dog for a walk. And that's my signal that I'm done for the day. Uh, my boyfriend's now working from home and his signal is he wears his shoes all day. And then when he's done working, <laughs> he takes off his shoes. I know it's really silly, but you have to just find whatever that thing is that works for you. So like, I know some people are stuck, like I'm working, you know, they're working at their kitchen table. <laughs> like we talked about that before, you know, before we started recording this and you just have to find some sort of signal that indicates to you, I'm done working for the day because you can work so, so, so many hours. Um, couple other quick things would just be like making sure your work is visible. That goes back to documentation. Um, you know, when you're in the office, people see that you're working, people see that you're doing things. Some leaders, again, haven't changed their perception of what it means to be productive and to be a good employee in a remote environment. So make sure that you're making it visible. I send status updates on Slack. I do all of that. Um, and the last thing I would just say is like, I know a lot of people love like the Marie Kondo show and it's like fine, you know, sparking joy, like find ways to spark joy. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have been remote for four years and um, I'm really comfortable with the current, you know, status of working from home. And so something I really like have enjoyed over the past few weeks is stepping up um, to help others feel comfortable working remote. So a couple of things that we'll do, we've been doing that have been really critical for team culture is we have something called Why Dad on Friday, which is you deserve a drink and it's a happy hour. Um, and it's been super fun. We'll play games. We did like a, a baby picture guessing game. I had everyone send me their baby pictures. You know, we all guessed who it was. We've done, um, some teams play Jackbox TV, if you've ever heard of that. So just making sure that like, you know, posting why you're thankful for somebody, like just doing those things that make people really happy in a cultural environment are super important right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. That kind of ties into the next question. So before we did this podcast, I put it out to the community because I know obviously a lot of people are asking about remote working at the minute. Um, had a fair few product marketers come back um, and put some questions to you. Yeah. So the first was if you had any tips for how teams can stay connected and communicated without having to have those forced check-ins and status updates. And I guess the kind of the ideas that you just ran through were some of those. Were there any more kind of day-to-day -day type things you'd recommend? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think one of the one of the perceptions to break or the things to understand is that when you are remote, communication is intentional, right? Like when you're in the office with somebody and you're just chatting, like it seems so much less formal than like when you're at home and you have to like 
ask somebody to get on a Zoom and it's like, I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to do this. So I think it's to be expected that communication has to be intentional. And I think about as a team, it's just about establishing what you want. Like if you don't establish that and let's say you're a man, you know, you're working with somebody and you like send them a Slack message. that's like, Hey, do you have that thing? Are you working on that thing? Where's that thing? Like that seems really micromanaging to somebody. So if you establish routines and set expectations, like it works. So like for us, again, it works to have, we have one of the things we do is um, we have a product marketing standup channel and it's just every Monday morning, there's a reminder that says post your three top things this week. And it just gives everyone on the team a sense of what you're working on. And if let's say my teammates working on something that I can help with or that overlaps with my project, I'll send them a quick ping in a thread and say, Hey, I'm going to DM you about this or we'll chat it out in the thread. So um, just establishing that stand up early in the week is super duper helpful. And at first, yeah, sure. It felt like a chore, but I promise you it will pay off. Um, and then at the end of the week, we do an update and that goes to our team, like our immediate small team and our VP. And that's just like a, here's the three things that happened this week. And that's like things that move status challenges or wins. And then here's, you know, the two things I need you to know or what I need help with. And sometimes it's like, I need you to review this document or like, Hey, this team isn't doing what they need to do. Um, and then like, Hey, have you updated? We have OKRs at Pluralsight. So making sure that you update those. Um, I think it's also about creating boundaries um, or just understanding boundaries. So like, again, because you're remote and you only have a certain amount of time with people and you have to really be cognizant of that, like you may want to have a team meeting that's all business, but you should balance that out with the team lunch where you guys just come together and have lunch and talk. Um, you know, you may have your team channel that, uh, or project-based channel, it's very focused on business, but you should also balance that out with some off-topic based, uh, off um, based Slack channels, right? So like I mentioned, like we have binge-worthy, we have nerd stuff, we have like other people's pets where people post pictures of their pets, which is amazing. If you don't have it, you should definitely get one. Um, so I think honestly, like it's just about talking. And, and if you ask somebody, Hey, what's the best way for you to communicate this? Like you'll be surprised how much information you get. So everything is going to feel forced right now because it is not the natural way that we work as humans and that's okay. Embrace it and lean into it and understand that everyone's going through it. Okay. Awesome. Um, and then there was a couple of uh, tool requests. So the first one was what project management, uh, management tools um, are the team using? Yeah, so uh, at Pluralsight, we're lucky enough to have, we have um, an in-house creative team and brand team. And so we have creative producers who use Workfront for project management. Um, so if we have launches, campaigns, you know, items that need to go through creative, we actually submit a request with like a brief of like, what do we need? What's the audience? You know, whatever. Um, then we'll have a kickoff call or like a meeting with the creative team to just talk through it. And then we'll work through work front um, project management to do like, you know, you need to, I need this messaging doc. We add it there. The copy team writes copy. Then, you know, we review copy, then design, we review design, then we put it out. Um, so that, that, that we're really lucky to have that from like a tracking perspective. Um, in terms of like how our team works, works um, I, even if you don't like, even if you're forced into the situation, let's say you don't have a project management tool, I think there's two key things to think about. One is um, some sort of system to track changes and delegate, delegate work um, and a system that provides visibility for everyone who needs it. And that doesn't have to be like an Asana or a work front, although those, those things are perfect and amazing for what they do. Um, it can be done in Google Docs. So generally we'll have like a Google Doc 
um, plan, which has like the objective, the strategy, the tactic, timeline, you know, high level timeline, FAQ, like the one stop shop that somebody can go to learn about a project that's in place. And then we'll also have a tactical spreadsheet, which will have like the team and the owner and, you know, the key message and the status and a link to deliverable and like a Gantt chart. Um, so I would say, um, you know, for us, we do, we are lucky enough that we have had this process in place. If you're looking to start um, some sort of project management tracking, honestly, G Suite or anything like that, Microsoft 365, whatever you use, like that can work. You just have to communicate it and say, hey, this is where everything lives. And if you don't update this document here, <laughs> like I'm not going to know, right? And so I, as a project owner, will say, hey, you know, here's the document, here's the intention, um, dub, dub, dub team, I need you to fill in this thing, uh, social team, I need you to fill in this thing. So as long as you can delegate out work and give that visibility, um, it will work really well. Something else we do is we have, and I know like the common consensus is like no more Slack channels, but we have project-based Slack channels where if we're standing something up, we have something. So there's like the, again, the asynchronous communication and the synchronous communication we have slack channel where it's like immediate i need this thing but then we also have the documentation where we'll have like an faq and it's like here's the questions we need to answer over the life of this project but here's you know the slack channel is immediate questions um one other thing that's super helpful um that we have as a as a team that's not necessarily just about remote work but is a release and launch tracker so i work with six different product teams i track where their features are um, and i am responsible for updating that on one spreadsheet um, that's accessible for various stakeholders throughout the business. So not just product marketing, but, you know, solution architects and pre-sales folks and our strategy team, anybody who needs to know, um, that's really helpful for people understanding where a project, a product is in life cycle. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. And then final question. So I guess when you're in person working with someone, it's easy to be able to see, you know, if they're overwhelmed or they've got the capacity to take on more work and that kind of thing how do you gauge someone's state of mind without kind of seeing them like that? Totally. Yeah, that's a really good question. You have to ask. I know that. And that's like, that can be uncomfortable, you know, based on the trust you have or the, um, the company culture you have, but like you have, you've, you have to be the one who goes out on a limb to say, how are you doing? You know, um, when you're in the office, it's really easy to see what somebody's working on. It's really easy to get those, you know, body signals, even vibe of like, hey, that person seems stressed, don't go bug them. Um, you have to, you have to ask people. And that's why it's really critical, as a, many remote people will say to have those, you know, here's my business meeting, and here's my social meeting or my social channel, like, that's where you get that information from people. So a really great example of that is my teammate Lisa and I we have that standing Friday meeting where we just it's like 30 minutes for us to do and talk about whatever we want to talk about um you know throughout the week I'm working with her on projects and things like that and then on Friday we'll come together and I'm like so how was your week and she'll be like man you know this week was tough I had this this and this and I'll be like yeah same for me and she's like yeah you know I'm feeling like I don't have bandwidth and I'm like same I'm like well we should go talk to Tom who's our boss we should go talk to Tom about that and see if we can rebalance things right maybe there's some things that you have that I should be doing maybe some things that I have that you should be doing um so you really need to establish like those informal channels um another thing that can be really helpful for um for those managers who are managing remote people is really thinking about your one-on-one -on -one time 
Um, so I have a one-on-one doc, uh, document that, and, you know, I just recently moved managers. So this one's shorter, but one my, one of my previous manager from the last three years was like a hundred pages on Google docs. And it was just like a running doc, but I literally would just use it to run our one-on-ones. And I would allow my manager to self-service. I would say, here are the three things I'm going to be talking about. Here's the updates and here's what I need for you. And here it is prioritized. Um, you have to think about documenting these things and naturally it will come out. So if you go into a meeting, a one-on-one meeting with somebody and they have, you know, three items listed, three high level agenda items, and you see like, oh my gosh, like they have, you know, they have so much work. Like, you know, that person, if you've worked with them before, you can probably gauge that it's too much work. So documenting, making the work visible is really, really critical, but have open conversations. Um, That's why, again, going back to that previous question of like, how do you have those status updates and make it not feel forced? You have to do some sort of intentional forced communication to really um, know where people are at. And it's not going to look the same for everyone. What my tracking doc may not look the same as somebody else tracking doc, but um, the biggest thing is getting it on paper. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. Well, that is all the questions for me. Thank you so much for your time today, Sapphire. I've learned learned so much myself, so hopefully everyone else listening has as well. Yeah, thank you so much. This was so exciting. Um, And anyone can feel free to reach out to me about, you know, remote work and what they can do and just to chat about it. I really, I love remote work and it's worked really well for me for the past four years and I'm a a huge advocate um, and it can be super fun. So if you want tips on making it fun and easier, just reach out. Perfect. Thanks again, Sapphire. Thank you. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening and if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show to speak about your day, a specific topic, or just your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.